What is up, everybody? Welcome to the week 13 DFS MVP podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my co-host, John Daigle, Pat Corain. Boys, welcome to week 13. Thanks. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a crazy slate. This this like there's huge chalk on this slate. Um, I think the the field kind of wants to go a lot of places I want to go, so I'm I'm trying to scout out little little side roads here. But it's a it's a pretty interesting slate. I yeah, I don't think the field wants to go where I want to go, so that's interesting. Good, good. I th- I think the field's going to be forced to go in a lot of places that we wouldn't usually go. Um, a, a ten game slate. I, I believe it's our last ten game slate of the season, unless we get one with some Saturday games in a few weeks. I'm not sure, but uh, at least the last bipocalypse week. Um. So uh, we'll run through it. We got uh, not a lot of high-scoring games on the slate, but um, a couple high-scoring games. The, the the bottom is really ugly, uh, but the top of of the uh, projections could be fruitful. Uh, Karain, as always, uh, drops the walkthrough on Legendary Upside every Friday. We will save the cover boy for a little bit later in the podcast. But uh, any anything that you want to highlight from the walkthrough this week, Karain? Yeah, one thing that I think is kind of interesting, we'll get to this later, but I, I have a little bit of a – I'm a little bit more nervous about this Eagles 49ers game than I think the field might be, and especially with kind of the pricing, kind of pushing people to Purdy and stuff. Um, you know, the whole deal with Purdy is you try to get to him without pressure, and the Eagles' pass rush is pretty good, and they don't blitz. Sorry, you, you try to get to him without blitzing trying to get pressure without blitzing. The Eagles don't blitz. So I think that's kind of interesting. At the same time, the 49ers and the Eagles are both pass funnels, and they're both really good offenses, and they're playing each other. So it's like that, I think, is the big uh, decision point for me on on this slate and kind of this week of how do you handle that game. I think um, there are reasons that it can just not like be a, a total shootout, I think. Both teams want to be run first. So um, digging into the numbers on that, I was just like, that's a true kind of range of outcomes game in in a fun way. But uh, that's where kind of the game theory element of DFS comes in of, you know, the field's going to play it one way. We might swing the other. Yeah. Before we jump into that game, that's actually the one that we will be leading off with. Um, just want to remind everybody that if you haven't signed up for a DFS subscription, and if you missed our Black Friday sale, you could still get 25% off of the DFS subscription at 444.com slash plans with the promo code YouTube. And once you do that, of course, you can upgrade to the solver, the best optimizer in the game. Uh, when you sign up for that, everything from 444, including our ownership projections and fantasy projections, of course, will automatically sync to the solver um before we get into that game want to get both of your guys' opinion on a, a unique situation we got a mega chalk in zach moss this week we got an injury after pricing released um classic running back free square about as close to a free square as we're ever going to get uh these days so uh daigle start with you how do you handle these situations especially if if you're players like us uh who are playing like single entry or three max um how you handle these mega chalk situations because if you're playing 150 lineups, it's not easy, but it's easier to be overweight or underweight. Um, when you're only playing a couple lineups, you really have to plant a flag on these situations. Every situation is always different because everyone tries to talk about the player individually when that's not really the case. It's uh, it's always about what it allows you to do in that particular slate. And 
I don't think we're playing a slate where you can try to pivot off of Zach Moss. The situation's too good. He's too good of a player. And since we're all trying to get up to Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, Kyron Williams, the list goes on. Uh, it just makes too much sense to play him and eat it with the rest of the field. So to me, it's a situation where I don't even I don't even need to think about it. I'm just gonna play him and I don't care. Yeah, Corrine, any thoughts on when we have like we have we have him projecting for between fifty and fifty-five percent in uh that's in, in large field stuff and small field stuff, yeah. you know, he might be seventy or eighty percent. Um any thoughts? I think on, he will be like that? yeah. Yeah, I, I think he will. He almost comes preloaded. Uh he would be an awesome play if he was fifteen hundred dollars more expensive. Like that's that's where and I agree with Daigle. I mean, it's a it's a slate where like trying to go like there's really high upside, like high upside, you know, not just like strong plays, but break the slate kind of plays at the high range of the salary this this week. And so we would naturally be looking for this type of guy. And here he is. Moss has been awesome this year. The Colts are a run-heavy team. The, the Titans are not as good of a run defense as they were last year. You can run on the Titans. They're not, they're not bad in run defense, but they're not amazing. Um, you know, and I think Moss probably won't even be like a total zero package with with Taylor. So I also think that the Colts will move the ball because the Titans stink in pass coverage. So this is a, you know, they, they're going to want to tilt to the, to the run, but they should be a productive offense here in this spot. So getting the running back attached is nice. And then it just ultimately comes down to like at 4,600, what does failure even look like? Failure feels hard at 4,600. Yeah, I mean, when we get down to the crux of what DFS is at its core, right? We're looking for uh, the most value um, under a salary cap, and we get a forty-six hundred dollars running back that uh, has already proven that he's going to handle ninety percent of the backfield work, if not a hundred percent, without Jonathan Taylor. Um, you just kind of go with that. Um, and, and I mean, again, yeah, in in the Millie Maker, if you have one hundred fifty teams, you know, if you if you want to have, uh, I don't know, fifty of them without Zach Moss, sure. When you need to be basically perfect, um, in a one hundred two hundred man field where you know, even if eighty percent of the field is using him, or even more, uh, we don't need a ninety nine point nine percentile outcome to uh, to take down some of these smaller field things. So yeah, I'm I'm not in the business of typically fading plays like this. So uh, I'm sure that's a big question that a lot of people have. So just wanted to get that uh, out of the way. Glad we're all in agreement on that because uh, I didn't want to get into any crazy conversation to to start off the show. <laughs> uh, we save those for the end uh, for last minute anyways. Um, but as I mentioned, kicking it off with the the Niners at the Eagles that is the game with the highest total on the slate Niners road favorites against the team with the best record in the league so I'm sure that lifted a couple eyebrows there but um, from a uh, classic DFS slate standpoint this is the 425 game so uh, we will get uh, especially on the Niners side heavy chalk late some late swap opportunity I believe it's a seven game early three game late slate yeah, which is my, my it's yeah. not my my favorite um but as, as we mentioned Corrine, starting with the Niners side because they are more affordable because uh players like 
like Purdy and, and Debo and, and Ayuk are projecting pretty well. Um, they're probably gonna be way more popular than the Eagles because the Eagles are just expensive. As we talked about last week, it's hard, hard to heavily stack them. So um, with the Eagles being a pass funnel, and as you mentioned in the uh, walkthrough without them uh, blitzing much, but can still get pressure. How does this set up for, um, you know, all, all the, the big names on San Francisco, obviously Purdy, but also uh, can CMC blow up? And is there a pass catcher on the 49ers that stands out in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 field kind of gravitating to CMC makes a ton of sense. Uh, you know, regardless of how this game goes, he's going to be involved in a big way. The other thing is, like, if you're looking at how this game or how the 49ers could be, a, you know, a little bit less explosive than usual, it's because the Eagles do have a strong pass rush. They rank fifth in quick pressure rate. They rank fifth in ESPN's pass block win rate. They're fifth in PFS pass rush grades. So I think they're going to be able to get to Purdy. They don't have to blitz. The 49ers have the highest blitz rate against. They, they get blitzed all the time because teams are they're not willing to let Purdy sit back and pick them apart because that really does not go well. Um, but it's one of those things where the Eagles are very vulnerable on the back end. And so if they can't generate pressure sufficiently, they could give up some really big plays. One guy, so you could see this going a number of different ways, right? You could see CMC just racking up a ton of short catches. I could see Debo Samuel uh, being involved here as they try to get like the quick passing game going a bit more. But Brandon Ayuk also is kind of interesting. He has been their go-to guy when they aren't being blitzed. And so, you know, he is kind of their more downfield wide receiver. And so if we're saying, what about a scenario where we know the Eagles aren't going to blitz and, or they won't be blitzing as, as much as usual for 49ers uh, defenses anyway. And what if they, what if the offensive line holds up pretty well, then all of a sudden Brandon Ayuk is in a really good matchup uh, because, you know, you can, you can get explosive pass plays on the Eagles. They, they rank 24th in preventing explosive passing plays. Uh, they're decent in the middle of the field, but not amazing. They don't take away the first read, especially well. And so, Ayuk definitely jumps out as, as kind of an interesting pivot piece in this game. He's expensive, but uh, I don't think will be particularly popular. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. It's it's probably going to it's not impossible, obviously, because we have the Zach Moss uh, free square because Purdy is is relatively cheap, at least on on DK. But on both sites, uh, Ayuk is uh, I think exactly a thousand dollars more on both sites. Oh no, seven hundred dollars more on Fanduel, but uh, than Debo. But uh, Ayuk is significantly more expensive than Debo on both sites. So uh, I, I think we probably do get a little bit of a suppressed ownership on Ayuk, even though this is kind of a game that I think on the surface people will want to be targeting. Um, just from the score. So I do like that call a lot, especially if it like if if I you can CMC um combos are, are hard to build together, uh it, it might be quite the leverage play if CMC doesn't go absolutely nuclear. Uh Daigle on the Philly side, as I mentioned, like the these Philly players are always going to be relatively low because they are so expensive. But I mean, you talked about it on team app yesterday. This target share is so concentrated, combined for 61% of the targets last week. Uh, do we care that the Niners are first in schedule just points allowed to quarterbacks or uh, do we continue with the somewhat matchup proof uh, Jalen Hurts and, and, and ride some of this low ownership despite the high salaries? If you get to this game, I don't think you care because mm -hmm. this slate will then allow you to get Jalen Hurts at 
a low collective ownership with either A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith. Dallas Goddard is now doubtful, and as you alluded to, it is Devonta Smith who the last two games out of their bye without Goddard has a 33% target share. A.J. Brown has a 25%. I prefer to get up to A.J. Brown, but then again, if you pay up for Hertz and Brown, it still gets pretty tough because then you're left probably playing Ayuk or Kittle, both who I love uh, in this situation anyhow, over any other like a 49er like McCaffrey because he's too expensive to stack in that range. So yeah, I think it's totally fine. For that reason, I I do think Hertz is the better tournament option because no one's going to get there. Purdy's too cheap and it's such a clean spot and everyone's so aware of it because like the Eagles defense just last week, not only do we have the 49ers on extended rest, but the Eagles defense was on the field for 93 plays against Buffalo in overtime. They're just totally gassed. The Eagles are also just letting you do whatever the hell you want through the air. And here comes Purdy and Ayuk and Debo and Kittle. Uh, I would imagine that's the way everyone's going to attack it, given salaries too, since Purdy's too cheap for this spot. So, yeah, I think Hertz is actually the better tournament option, but how you get there is the real question. I, I'm not sure just yet on Friday. Yeah, I'm going to have to um, shake up some stuff in ownership. Some some of the um, the guys that we thought were going to be um, pump plays look like they might not be available. Uh, uh, things like Chris Olave practicing could like um, kill players like Juwan Johnson. So it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see how we fit some of these expensive players because like Zach Moss by himself isn't going to let us just play whoever we want. Um, I, I think a lot of it is going to come down to like, if we're fading Tyreek or CMC, I think that's probably going to be one of the biggest decision points of the week. Because if you, again, if you are playing Jalen or AJ Brown, you obviously can't play both of those guys. So I think getting that right is going to be a big part um, of this slate. Um, do you guys have like a, a take on CMC versus Tyreek straight up? Well, Tyreek was the cover boy for me. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we'll get there. We'll, we'll <laughs> there. I can't. I, I can't imagine getting off Tyreek. I just yeah. can't do it. Can't yeah. do it in this spot. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do think like CMC is just an incredible play. I mean, and he's in he's in a really, really strong spot. But I, the thing I like most about CMC in this matchup is that I feel very confident he's not going to fail. Yeah. But I don't feel like is CMC going to go for like forty? You know that's where I'm like, okay, I'm willing to, I feel more confident betting against that than I do when I'm starting to look at Tyreek. That's, that's like where it is for me. Just the pure ceiling with, with CMC feels a little more, it just feels a little harder for him to, to get there. Whereas I think he's got, I mean, his floors, not even like floor in the way that we normally talk about it, but just like, yeah, he's going to, yeah. he's going to be good. I, I think that's like I said, that's going to be a big point this week. We'll get to the Tyreek stuff in a little bit. Um, cash game notes: um, Purdy and CMC popping a little bit more on uh, DK. Pretty way more on DK than on Fanduel. CMC just a little bit more on DK with his uh, with his salary on Fanduel. Kittle actually popping as our top Fanduel uh, tight end value on um, four for four, and then AJ Brown, of course, a high optimal rate on both sides. But again, getting to uh, getting to all those expensive guys, obviously not um, a given. Uh, Another game that I think is a very interesting pivot off of the 49ers and Eagles is Texans versus Broncos. This game is early. Texans favored by three at home with a total of 25.25, same exact total as the 49ers. Broncos, three-point underdogs, 22.25 total themselves. Uh, Daigle, let's start with the Texans side. Uh, 
we have some uh, uncertainty on who's going to be healthy. It looks like Tank Dell could be playing, but Dalton Schultz uh, may be turning towards not playing. So given Stroud's relatively high salary and uh, the uncertainty of the players, I think a lot of people are going to be off this past game altogether despite the high total. So is there anything that stands out to your be- stands out to you besides if, if tank Dell is healthy, he's the play. Um, or is there somewhere else we can go in this offense this week? I think the better way to play it would honestly be Devin Singletary. I, I, I don't see how the anyone gets here as a ceiling spot. And I, I know we're projecting and it makes sense the way everyone's looking at the field for like Russell Wilson to be high rostered at his salary in this position, especially since the Texan secondary has fallen apart over the last month. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence all reached at least 8.6 yards per attempt against them. Trevor Lawrence was just the QB one overall against them. So it's it's a good spot for Russell Wilson and whoever, whoever you want to stack with them. I get it. But the issue with getting to Russell Wilson, what I've been experiencing throughout the week, is that then you have to have him pushed. You have to have a run back. And to get there against this Broncos defense, they're no joke, man. Like they turned it on since week five and they've had easy tests for sure. Like last week, everyone remembers them just putting their foot on the throat of Dorian Thompson Robinson and PJ Walker, but they held Josh Allen to less than 200 passing yards and two picks the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes first game when he didn't have the flu, they only scored eight points against them. Like, you really can't do anything against this Broncos defense is the issue. And I understand CJ Stroud has passed a lot of tests, but this is the toughest one since week one, whenever Baltimore held him without a touchdown. So I don't want to get personally to the Texans passing game. And it's the Broncos front seven that you still attack. And if that's the case, then it's still Devin Singletary. Since Damian Pierce proved to continue to be inefficient while Singletary was the more explosive player last week. Not only that, but Singletary was their pass catching back too. Uh seven targets had that 41 yard screen catch as well. So it's, it's odd, but I think the best way to stack this game would be, Russ, then Sutton or Judy and Devin Singletary because, man, it's hard. It's just really hard. Even with Schultz out, everyone's going to play Brevin Jordan. I get it. I mean, he's a stone man tied in, whatever. I don't care. Uh, play him if you want. Doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, man, it's just tough. It's really tough to get to this spot. I think it goes under. That's the thing. Like, because the Broncos don't want to play that way. The Broncos want to play defense and run the ball. That's why Javante Williams is seeing over 15 carries per game out of their bye. That's not what they want to do. And if you let them do that, they'll just sink this clock the entire time. I'm worried about this game. Yeah. I, and this is, I, I didn't even mention to, to kick this off, but, uh, this is a week where the quarterback values vary a lot between sites uh, outside of Brock Purdy. Like it's all over the place. So CJ Stroud is a very good fan uh, FanDuel value, not that great of a value on DK. So on DK, like if you play this, the Houston side, you probably get a little bit of an ownership discount on FanDuel. You're not going to get that because it's easier to fit them. Um, so that just makes it uh, even worse of a play. Um, but on again on, on DK, it's expensive, and uh, we have some other players we want to be paying up for, like Daigle said, for a true ceiling. Uh, Karain, you mentioned this is kind of a um, strength for strength spot. We see the Broncos really wanting to lean on their running backs, um, but not sure they are going to be able to do that uh, effective uh, in this spot. But because it is such a weak running back slate, we probably end up seeing a lot of ownership on Javante because there just are only like five or six. Um, 
obvious values at the position. Uh, Houston is 31st in schedule adjusted points to quarterback. So do you agree? Do you have any love for, for um, the Denver side of this game? Or, or uh, do you think it's kind of a, a hesitation if they are super chalky? Yeah, I'm not really interested in playing any of the Denver pieces into chalk. I, I'm kind of happy to see that, you know, Javante Williams is, is going to be popular because um, you know, he's he's got a 45% success rate per NFL next gen, which is awesome. He's running back eight there. Uh, but he's not been particularly explosive. Even in recent weeks, he hasn't been super explosive. Um, and he's going against a, a Texans run defense that's really good. So I don't – I agree with Daigle. Like, the way Denver wants to play this is run the ball, limit Russell's uh, Russell Wilson's passing attempts, and you know use their defense to try to limit the Texans and, and play pretty conservatively. And then on the other side, there's concern that the Texans are still not going to play things all that aggressively. You can still run on Denver, so I think the Devin Singletary call is pretty interesting. He had a huge snap share still last week. Um, I think he's kind of taken over that backfield. I do think there are some outcomes, though, where C.J. Stroud just lights them up. You know, I think Denver's Denver's definitely been way better since they were earlier in the season. But like an EPA per play and stuff and, and success rate, if you look, you know, starting in week six, uh, they're still like middle of the pack. They're not. I don't think like it, and so it's certainly possible that Denver's kind of gotten it to where this is like a really tough test. But I think it's also possible that they're like, fine, and C.J. Stroud is a superstar. And so if I'm going to get, especially as pass catchers, I, the, the tough thing is, you know, I'm playing on DraftKings, and he is so expensive. And it's like, man, am I going to pay $8,100 for C.J. Stroud when, like, two is 7900 You know, and so there's, like, other ways to go that I think with guys who have really high ceilings. But I do have a lot of interest in – Texans pass catchers at low ownership. I think they're I think that's a really interesting way to kind of slot guys into into lineups. I don't know that I'm going to go um, super overweight w- in terms of like like really stacking it, you know, because I do have concerns about this game when you've got two offenses that would probably prefer to play conservatively. But um, can you know there be some big plays downfield? I think there can. I think I I think the Texans can can have some success here. Like last week, whenever Jags Texans we talked about, and the four four disco was freaking out because we thought they thought we led them astray in not having Trevor Lawrence in cash games. But again, it's about the big picture product. It's about the scroll, not the one line in that scroll. And Jalen Hurts then came and just dunked on everyone, so we were okay as yeah, we, we knew we there. were. We got we got. Um, uh, winning lineups had the skinny stacks of Nico and Calvin Ridley. That's kind of what this game reminds me of. Like if Tank Dell mm-hmm. or and um, I don't know Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton again come in as a skinny stack in the winning lineups, I think that would be the way to play it rather than trying to get the entire exposure. Because yes, that's where again, I'm at too. CJ Stroud is a god. Uh, like I never, I never want to bet against him, but it's about what's in front of him. And if you can reach his ceiling to win a slate at his salary on any given week, and I don't personally think this is the one whenever Tua and and honestly Purdy just have the best matchups possible. 
Yeah, and going back to um, some of the injury statuses that we're waiting on, uh, the Chris Olave, if he's active or not, is going to have a really big trickle-down effect. If he plays and Juwan Johnson's ownership gets uh, uh, goes down, then I think we could see Brevin Jordans go through the roof, especially on DK as like the obvious punt play. Um, and if that happens... That makes Tank Dell and Nico Collins much more attractive. If if Juwan Johnson goes way down because Lave's active and, and Brevin Jordan's like 15 or 17% or something, uh, then I like Nico and Tank Dell much more. Um, Noah Brown downgraded to a DNP today. So uh, mm. yeah. So well, that's I mean, we're talking about pretty concentrated passing. Yeah, no, right now. no Noah Brown, no Dalton Schultz, most likely. I didn't see the Noah Brown one. That is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. and, and Nico. Nico has led them in targets alongside Tank Dale in back-to-back games. Uh, you also had a lot of flukiness in Dale's game last week. I don't like when people point out the illegal shift because that's cheating. They did get a flag call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't call that regression when you cheated. Screw that. <laughs> but he also had a 60-yard touchdown that C.J. Stroud overthrew him. He was wide open, too. So that one we can count safely. Um, as I mentioned, Brevin Jordan, uh, his cash game, uh, viability just depends on, on, uh, who's available in this game. CJ start is the top quarterback value on FanDuel. According to four for four projections, Javante is going to have a high optimal rate on both sites. Don't know if I get there in cash, but, uh, he's definitely in the player pool for now. Prize picks is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform and one of the most exciting ways to play DFS. And best of all, prize picks is simple. Just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their prize pick stat projection. It's that easy. Quick withdrawals, an enormous selection of players, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But it doesn't stop there. Prize picks even offers in-game projections. Imagine gathering at the house, watching football with your friends, and building an entry to cheer for together with more A.J. Brown receiving yards or less Jordan Love passing yards. Now it's possible. Just go to prizepicks.com slash DFSNVP and use the promo code DFSNVP to match your first deposit up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Uh, another game with a pretty healthy total uh, early kickoff is Lions versus the Saints. Lions favored by four and a half with a 25.75 team total. Saints with 21.25 uh, team total. As I mentioned, Alave was upgraded to a full participant on Friday. So trending towards clearing concussion protocol. But with concussion, we do have to wait and see. Obviously, uh, Crane, start with the Lions side. You mentioned that the Lions in the walkthrough do have a pretty wide range of outcomes this week. And because they have so many players that, that are viable, um, you know, with David Montgomery, back with Jameson Williams ascending kind of always the case, but uh, from this matchup standpoint and the game flow, you highlighted that um, even more so the range of outcomes is very wide. So just talk a little bit on why that is. Yeah. Jared Goff's coming off uh, one of his worst games of the season. Um, and we have this Lions team that we know prefers to run the ball. Uh, so, and, and are the saints going to push you? Probably not when they don't have any receivers, you know. But Olave being active, I think, would be pretty nice for this game because the Saints are in a pretty good spot if they actually have if Carr has guys to throw to. The Lions defense has been really bad recently. 
Um, and so, you know, the, and the Saints, like, although they're not what I would say, you know, they're not an aggressive team for sure, but they've, they've been balanced for most of the season. I would expect them to be pretty conservative if Olave is out because they're just not going to have anything close to like a normal passing offense. But if he's able to go, then, you know, maybe they are, they're, they're probably going to be somewhat balanced. And I don't think they're going to be like fighting against uh, a high scoring game script in the same way that they probably will if they don't have any receivers. Um, so that's one, that's one reason I think it's kind of, there's a high range of outcomes because we don't really know what, how the saints will approach this. Um, but I also think what Goff is looking at from a matchup perspective, he's got the Saints defense that's ninth uh, in dropback success rate against their 11th in EPA allowed per dropback. So they're pretty solid. Uh, they don't allow explosive passing plays. Uh, they, they're pretty good at protecting the middle of the field. Um, that's, that, that's not great for the Lions. You know, they like to attack the middle of the field at a high rate. But they don't have a pass rush like at all. They're dead last in pass block or pass rush win rate, the 31st in quick pressure rate. Uh, and the Lions rank third in EPA from a clean pocket. So they are one of these teams where if they if they can protect golf, and they they only have done okay in pass protection this year, so, so getting this total lack of a pass rush is, is pretty nice. You know, he should be able to uh, have some success with time to throw. So it's a little bit, difficult to to figure out right now because we don't know if Olave is going to go but I could see this game being kind of sneaky fun um and I think there's ways to play it uh specifically Jameer Gibbs I think is pretty interesting because you know he's kind of got elements of of both game scripts where he's still uh you know got a high ceiling in a few different types of game um but you know I think Amon Ross St. Brown has a pretty high ceiling in this game Sam Laporte is interesting, uh, but, you know, you could also see it just being kind of like a total slugfest, uh, you know, both teams running the, the crap out of the ball if things break a certain way. Yeah, I mean, I I think, um, as you mentioned, like probably leaning into this game, like building around game script ideas. Um, again, if Alave is active, I don't know if you necessarily have to play Alave, but just that opens up things to, to get spread out a little bit more. Uh, you know, maybe throwing Jameson William in uh, Jameson Williams into some lineups as a, as a cheap contrarian play could be interesting. Um, if we do think this game um, does shoot out a little more than expected. Otherwise, I mean, you could just kind of go the other way uh, and just say it's, it's a Monty game and, and both of the past games are, are kind of down a little bit. Uh, Daigle, uh, what what impact do you think Olave has on this week? Because if he is inactive, um, Juwan Johnson is probably mega chalk. In that spot, it feels like a pretty good fade to me, rather than trying to look at some like random contrarian plays like Kamara or Taysom. How do you feel about the offense um, with or without Kamara this week? I mean, I'm mean with Olave. I'm sorry. If Olave plays, I'd be willing to go up to him because I think then people will just forget about him thinking like, Oh, like he's been injured. We don't want him now, but he did get eight targets in the first half. They returned from their by peppering him right out the gates, including two on the opening drive. And this Lions defense, as we've talked about time and time again, we talked about a Thanksgiving show is it's so bad. It's horrendous. And so I think Olave can definitely get there if he's part of an integrated game plan now moving forward. So I'm definitely more interested in Olave than I would be AT Perry. If Olave's out. I think a lot of people will get to A.T. Perry, too. But we already 
saw, and maybe he still gets there. I think I'd still rather pivot in his range, like to Greg Dortch or something like that. Um, because one, everyone wants to play uh, A.T. Perry. You can already see it coming from a mile away. And two, yes, I think the answer would be Jawan Johnson. If that's the case, then I'd probably rather get to Brevin Jordan since everyone also is only trying to play two tight ends and Jordan and Juwan Johnson this week. So it's really just going to come down to Sunday morning and who we get active. But I think the most interesting one would be Olave with Gibbs. My issue with Gibbs, if Olave's out, is that then he's still going to be overplayed. And if that's the case, like you said, I think Montgomery's the much better play because they've literally been splitting all the touches and carries uh, out of their last three games out of the bye when Montgomery came back. And they have as many explosive runs. They've just mirrored one another in that element as well. And it only went to Gibbs, all the uses behind the scenes on Thanksgiving because golf was so bad. He just had those early turnovers and they had no choice but to keep Gibbs out there. But if we think the Lions just run away and win by two scores, Montgomery's going to be out there the same, if not more, at 20% less ownership. So to me, it's kind of looking like a Montgomery and Lions game personally. Yeah, what's Monty's seller? He's 6500 on DK, $200 above Rashad White, who's probably going to be one of the chalkiest running backs on the slate, and, and close to Gibbs, who will also be probably quite chalky as well. Um, I, so I do like that. Uh, Alave is interesting because if we look at his salary, 6900 um, you know, if people are going to play Perry or Jawan Johnson, uh, he's Alave's sandwich between... Nico Collins, Michael Pittman, Brandon Ayuk, um, Devontae Smith, all kind of at the same salary, all players that DFS players probably want to play instead of, of Alave. So uh, Alave could go way under the radar if he is active, especially I would if like Alave like, if he's active. Yeah, especially yeah, he's if he's very, not he's active until Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that might end up being one of one of our our more favorite plays of the week. Yeah, this week is going to uh, have uh, – we're, we're going to be busy on Sunday morning, it feels like. Dolphins at Commanders. Dolphins, the highest team total on the slate, favored by nine and a half in a game with a 49 and a half point total. Um, Commanders, nine and a half point underdogs with a 20 point total. We got a full practice from Devin Achan on Friday. So that muddies up thing in the backfield. Daigle, I mean, this is the softest matchup we're ever going to get for Tyreek into. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've kind of already touched on, on Tyreek a little bit. Um, I mean, are we, what, what are we doing here? Are we, are we rolling out two of doubles? Um, if HN is active, is it, is it too messy of a backfield to try to get contrarian in that spot? Like how do we get unique here? If everybody's just playing Tua and Tyreek and, and they get all the, all, all the points anyway. That's, that's the thing. I don't think people are playing Tua. Uh, yeah. not that, not that it's unique enough. Maybe it is to play Tua, but definitely t- uh, Tua doubles Tua onslaughts mm. with HN. Yeah. Gosh, I wish. I wish HN was ruled out. I I had Jeff Wilson locked in all week, ready to go. (laughs) And now HN's going to play. And again, HN's not the kind of player you worry about limited touches because HN's career is going to be limited touches. Like it doesn't matter. Eight to 10 touches is 100 yards. If he's healthy, it actually helps us, honestly, in tournaments. The last time we tried to do this, uh, Mm -hmm. he got injured again. But Mike McDaniel even said earlier this week that they are being extra cautious and he's not going to play unless he's healthy. So, I mean, I've made worse decisions than running a 10-touch, 200-yard potential player out there. So I'll probably definitely run him out there with two as well to get extra exposure. But it's, as you mentioned, it's the cleanest spot possible. Since they traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young, the commanders are dead last, even below the Giants in pressure rate. And from a clean pocket this year, Tua has completed 76% of his passes for a league-high 20 touchdowns. I don't know how Tua fails to get to 300. I don't know how Tyreek doesn't reach at least 180. 
I, I don't know how anyone fails in this spot, honestly, outside of injury. It's just too good of a place. Yeah, and I mean, we've like, I, I think we could safe, safely say that Tyreek is on like record chase now. He's going for 2K yards, and we see teams like that, that, that chase stuff like that. Like Tyreek's going for 2K. He needs, uh, what, seven? What does he need? 700? Yeah, I think, what is it, 125 okay. or something like that? He could get 705. He might get it today. He might get it Sunday. 705 on Sunday, sure, yeah. Um, as I mentioned, I, I think a lot of this slate is going to come down to the ceiling between CMC um, and Tyreek. Obviously, DFS isn't as easy as just picking one or two players, but that's that's really what it's feeling like this week. Uh, Karain, you gave a really good breakdown of why Tyreek's ceiling is tremendous in this spot. Obviously, the matchup against Washington is the softest one if we just look at points allowed, um, but you really broke it down by, by time to throw for these teams and why it sets up so well for Tyreek. Yeah, and you know, with the walkthrough, I try to pick a cover boy. Usually that's like a little bit not like the obvious massive guy. Um, I did not do that this week, and I just named it Tyree Kill Week because I'm just like, this is I know I'm not being sneaky. I'm not telling you anything you don't know that Tyree Kill's an amazing play, but this is this is the we've kind of been waiting since the beginning of the season when we're like, oh, they figured out how to how to get him wide open up in the middle of the field again. He's gonna have the he's gonna have some massive, massive weeks this year, and this really does feel like the spot. Um, the time to throw things really interesting because uh, when you look at routes of two seconds or less, uh, so these are you know very quick throws. Um, we're we're looking at Jalen Waddle actually leading in yards per route run over Tyree Kill. Waddle's at 3.68 yards per route run, and Hill is at 3.07. So still very good, but you know Tyree Kill has a 4.02 yards per route run this year. So he drops by almost a yard per route uh, when you when you look at these quicker throws. And the reason that you know I'm, I'm looking at this is because as Stagel pointed out, the Commanders can't pressure anybody after they traded their pass rushers. It's weird how that works out. Uh, they're also their 31st in quick pressure rate since since trading Young and Sweat. Um, and so we're we're looking at a situation where the Dolphins probably are not going to be having to scheme up as many of these quick throws. The other thing is that when they played the Jets last week, the Jets had the lowest pressure rate of the week against the Dolphins. So the Jets have a good pass rush, but we saw the Dolphins go very conservative, very run heavy. They're kind of being proactive in protecting Tua not really giving the Jets a chance to pressure him at a high rate. I don't think we have to worry about that either. The Dolphins can come into this, uh, and even though they don't have a great offensive line, they only rank 23rd in pass block win rate, they should feel very confident that they can drop back and you know, not be worried about a pass rush. And then on those dropbacks, Tua should also have some time to throw and then you kind of just go to the obvious thing of like, oh, yeah, Tyreek Hill is super fast and they try to get him downfield. And if you give Tua a time to throw, that is what they're going to do. Uh, he has an absurd 4.68 yards per route run on throws lasting longer than two seconds on, on routes lasting longer than two seconds. So there's longer throws or not super quick throws. His yards per route run is, is insane. Waddles at just 1.34 on those on those throws. So the offense really sort of shifts to Tyreek Hill when they have time to throw. And I think we're just going to get a lot more of those types of dropbacks in this matchup. And then you have this other dynamic that's so awesome where Sam Howell has actually 
played okay. His EPA has not been great over the last two weeks, but his success rate was pretty strong. Um, I think he's they're going to be doing, I think, more of the quick passing game stuff. And I think they will probably move the ball okay. We know they're going to pass a ton. I don't know if they'll like really push, push the Dolphins, but they're not going to roll over. There will be pass attempts on the commander's side. And giving Mike McDaniel an excuse to keep the pedal to the floor, you know, a, a little bit longer than he might with another offense on the other side of this game. So it just all lines up. Um, I will be, I will be, I will be playing Tyreek Hill this week. Um, any interest in playing Howell as a correlation play with Tyreek and a pivot off of Brock Purdy? You know, I do have some interest, but I. So, I think it depends a little bit on, like what happens with these other cheap tight ends because I think Logan Thomas is interesting, but he's not like an amazing play. And I don't, you know, if everyone's rolling out Johnson and I've got Thomas, I don't, I don't know that I'm winning that. And I'm like, am I just kind of, I don't know that it's, it just doesn't feel like it's necessarily an awesome play, but takes care of tight end. And I do think the idea of going Howell and Howell holding up against a tough matchup but one that probably will let him have underneath throws to to Thomas and Curtis Samuel, I think is also kind of interesting as a cheap stacking partner. Um, and then you bring Tyreek back. So I do think I want to play this as, as mostly the Tyreek goes absolutely nuclear game. One way to do that is just to let Tua come along for the ride there. But another way is, is to play it from the house side and use Tyreek as a bring back. So I have some interest. I just, the Washington pieces don't jump out to me. I would just say, and again, I'm playing them. I'm playing them both in my core, so I don't care. I'm going to get unique around them and diversify. But remember, everyone listening, Zach Moss and Tyreek Hill, your lineup is at 80%. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, join yeah. join yeah. the rest of us. Like We talked about Moss Chalk. Tyreek yeah. Hill is the same thing. Uh, yeah. Not to that extent, but everyone knows he, he's the best play on the slate. Yeah, CMC, I think, helps. Um, you know, because you're not playing both. So... That that helps kind of keep Tyreek not like moderate, but he won't, you know. Yeah, the combination and, of Moss and, and then when Tyreek you, will only be half the field. And <laughs> then if you're trying to like also then bring along Jawan Johnson or Brevin Jordan, all of a sudden right. here we are at one ten, and it's like okay, yeah, you didn't, yeah, you probably yeah. didn't win. Uh, you can depending on how unique you get around that. Uh, that's why I say it to be wary. Yeah, I, I do think one on the Logan on the Logan Thomas point. If again, if Chris Lovely plays, I could see Logan Thomas being more popular than Juwan Johnson um, at basically the same salary, just because people are going to play Tyreek and play Dolphins and look for correlation in this game. Um, two on that ownership front, I I completely agree with you, Daigle. You have to be if you are playing those combos, you have to be crazy cognizant of like you know having something to differentiate your lineup somewhere in the lineup i will say that if you are using an optimizer um maybe you set your max ownership a little bit higher than you usually do because the slate is so condensed there's so there's so many players that that are you know um th that are going to draw double digit ownership that like if you usually set it i don't know say like usually set it to 125% max ownership I, I think maybe you could set it to like 135, 140. And you still want to put in some some settings where you have, you know, some single digit on players, obviously. Um, but there's just going to be fewer single digit on players because there's fewer usable players on this slate. I mean, go back to last week. And even though the slate was bigger, I, I wish we would have thought it through a little bit more because use Kyron Williams, for an example. 
we liked him as a contrarian play. He was still a tier below the most popular running backs, but came in at like 18 or 19%. On the slate, there weren't that many good running backs. We kept saying how it was a bad running back slate. So it kind of made sense that he came in that high, but like relative to other running backs, it wasn't like and, a killer ownership high. So there's going to be became, some players like that. It became more obvious once we realized Sunday morning in the chat, we talked about it. Derrick Henry, I blame Evan Silva. Derrick oh, Henry was going to come in at 30%. And I was right. like, I'm not playing. The whole point of Derrick Henry is to play him at 7%, not yes. 30. And literally he closed over 30 in small field. So yeah. that was and the obvious pivot to Kyron because like, I'm not playing. Yes, Henry. exactly. Especially I ended up playing Henry. JT. I was like, I'm going to eat the JT chalk. And then he ended up being like less popular than Henry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And it turned um, out five running backs scored two touchdowns. Like, okay, well, you just had yeah. to have him right is all it was. Yeah. So, I mean, if you see yeah, some guys – if there are some guys you like, especially at the running back position that we think are going to be like 15 or 16%, like that's not a horrible thing. So if you're, if you're thinking like, I'm not that contrarian with this 16% guy, like it, it, it might be okay this week compared to other weeks where like, we want that guy to be at nine or 10%. So um, j just a little, a little food for thought for those that are, are working. Um, especially if you are working in an optimizer. Do you, do you guys have any thoughts on, on this game from the Washington side of, you know, I like the Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel, uh, yeah. I think I, he's I'm quite shocked, actually. I expected everyone to eventually get to Dolphins' Curtis Samuel, and no <laughs> one's getting to Curtis Samuel in early projections, and I am shocked about it. Like, I mean, I, Terry, Terry's still popping in optimizers. That's a problem. I mean, how are we still doing this? McCoy I mean, I'm not, I'm not, but he, year. but, 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 um, you know, uh, optimizer clickers are, are going to land there and, and, and they're going to land on Logan Thomas too. Cause he's, he's just going to fit. This is also why we're having such a great cash year because everyone <laughs> yeah. is not even thinking for themselves anymore. They're waking up, hitting an optimizer and they're telling us the cards they're going to show us. It's like, I can beat that. That's no problem. You want to run Joe Mixon out there. Joe Mixon's never going to get there. So that's totally fine. Um, but for Curtis <laughs> Samuel, the commanders are trying to take him off the field but they can't and it's another spot like the cowboys where they can't because it's not only a pass rush and maybe jalen phelps injury changes a little bit but since they got jalen ramsey back the dolphins are sixth in pressure rate as well they're creating pressure through their coverage and christian wilkins and the way sam house getting rid of the ball to continue avoiding sacks at still a high rate but a significantly lesser rate than the past was dumping it off and Curtis Samuel, even last week against Dallas, saw 67% of his targets within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. So being nine and a half point home underdogs and thinking their Dolphins are just going to drown them early, it does seem like a great game script yet again where the commanders have no choice but to get rid of it to Curtis Samuel a negative game script. It just makes too much sense on the slate. Yeah, I like that call. Um yeah, the, the only player that's just like the obvious cash game value, um, not surprisingly, Tyree Kill in this game. Um, I'm trying to, in ca especially on, I think on both sides, I haven't built on FanDuel yet, but um, trying to get Tyreek and CMC in there together with Zach Moss and cash games. But uh, um, more on that on Sunday morning. Um, we usually go five or six games deep here. I mean, it really does fall off a cliff um, in, in terms of like, game viability there are interesting plays obviously zach moss is going to be very chalky um and, and i think michael Pittman and josh downs both get ownership i mean brown there's a couple of browns players popping his values like i i just don't know how i roll that out in cash um with flacco playing um steelers against the cardinals bad defense like could be interesting but the totals uh, low there patriots and chargers tampa bay carolina like there's some one-off plays that are popping as values, but I mean, the games are, are ugly. So I'm just going to kind of lob it to you guys and, and, and see, see what you think about it. Because as we've already mentioned multiple times, like 
a lot is just going to be really condensed on a, on a few games and um, the one-off players in the games we haven't talked about. So does anything else stand out to you, Daigle, from the other games? You hinted at Steelers-Cardinals, and I do think enough pieces in that game are interesting and allow us to spend up for, like, even if we don't play Tua, Dolphins doubles. It's like, I'm going to bring along the touchdown equity. I can see myself already to diversify around Tyreek playing at least two Dolphins, whether it be Tyreek and Waddle without Tua or Tyreek and A-Chan, whether I bring uh, Tua along regardless. But I I think Kenny Pickett is in an amazing spot because it doesn't matter whether the Steelers corrected anything when you're playing the two worst defenses in the league. The same reason Devin Singletary (laughs) popped for two weeks in a row was because he played the Bengals and Cardinals. And then last week, uh, Bobby Sloak tried to get away with it again, running Devin Singletary early on the first quarter. And guess what? You couldn't do it because that's not how it works. That's not how matchups work. And the Steelers are once again in the same spot. They took care of job against the Bengals. Kenny Pickett went 24 of 27 from a clean pocket. And the Cardinals are getting a lower pressure rate than the Bengals. Like, dude, the Pickett and Steelers offense are in the perfect spot possible. It's just a matter of how you want to play it. Maybe it is getting to Pickett, which I'm very open to on this slate. Maybe it is like either Najee Harris or Jalen Warren. Maybe it's Deontay Johnson. I don't know, but either way, they're all in the perfect spot to yet again do very well because their salaries are also priced as if they're in a against a tough defense. That's not the case whatsoever. So I like the Steelers side quite a bit and running it back with either Trey McBride or Greg Dortch here. Uh, Trey McBride, he isn't, we talked about this last week, his salary is now in the position where you can fade him and be com- comfortable with it. Previously, he was under 4K, the usage was too good. Now it's whatever. Like if you don't want to get to him because he's too high priced, totally understand. But because of the values available at tight end, it does seem like it's a spot to sneak him in at that mid-tier. Also, Greg Dortch, Zach Pascal came back last week, and even the Cardinals said, we're done with this. He ran five routes, and it was instead Greg Dortch who mirrored Rondell Moore, and now in the last two games, Dortch has 17 targets to Moore's four. And Kyron, uh, Kyler Murray has quietly been so bad passing the ball that Dorch is the one who doesn't screw this up because he gets peppered underneath and he's explosive enough to make plays happen after the catch. So at his salary, I kind of do like sneaky picket stacks with Dorch running back. Yeah. Trey McBride, another guy we have to keep an eye on DNP Wednesday and then back to back limited practices Thursday and Friday. So um, that can have uh, some, some effects on again, tight end ownership seems to be very fragile right now while we wait on some injuries and, and just this game uh, in general. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I like those calls a lot. I would like to see again, af- after everything like kind of settles down where Jalen Warren comes in at, um, a lot of people wanted to play him last week. I don't, I mean, again, there's not a lot of running back. Um, th- there's going to be some guys that are, I think are, are higher than expected. I think there's going to be more three running back. Uh, lineups than we are used to because Zach Moss opens up so much salary. Um, we usually see about 30% running back in the flex on DK. I think that could be closer to like 50 this week. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where Jalen Warren um, lands at, because if we can get him at like 15%, I like that play a lot. If he comes in at 23, 24%, not so much. Uh, and if you want to spend down a quarterback, you can play him with Kenny Pickett. Like that. Um, That's true. Yeah. One one thing on this game, so Marquise Brown has been DNP all week. Um, um, yes, and, and he was he ended up being a great tournament play last week after back to back DMPs. So, but I mean, 
Do you guys think he plays? He hasn't literally has not practiced. It it sounds like Gannon was encouraged. It sounds like they're still going to run him out there. Is he okay. as good of a play as he was last week and no one was on him? And we talked about that Sunday morning too. I don't know. But the Steelers defense also is like, dude, it's it's all schedule based because this Steelers defense is still pretty bad. Minka Fitzpatrick is coming back, but even when Fitzpatrick was available through week eight, they were allowing the seventh highest rate of explosive passes. That's what annoys me and gets me back to Kyler because he's literally 32nd in completion rate, 10 yards downfield since he returned. Uh, he's only been getting by on rushing touchdowns. And when the bottom falls out on that, you're looking at like a QB 15 on the week. So I'm a little worried. And about he's so he's here. too expensive. I'm, but I like yeah. the Dorch play and I like the, I, I like McBride. Um, he, I think he's pretty, he's not going to be sneaky, but there's a bunch of other places that people are going to want to go at tight end this week. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be hard for him to become mega chalk uh, like he's been, you know, several times this season. And it's about the the collective pool. So, like, if Kenny Pickett gets there, and I don't even think it's 300 that he needs to get. If he gets to 250 and three, which is very much possible, and it's Jalen Warren and Deontay Johnson or Greg Dortch, that is enough low salary to where then you can get to Tyreek, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle. You get to two or three of those guys. That's the whole point of Kenny Pickett. Yeah, that's 5,100 Kenny Pickett is pretty damn interesting. One thing I'll say is, like, we have some high-stakes teams that need quarterbacks, and, like, we tried to get Pickett in some spots, and we're outbid. You know, we've, we're, we like, picking Pickett up to play him um, for, you know, like Josh Allen teams or Mark Jackson team, whatever. Like, we, you know, got to fill, fill in. Pickett's looking pretty appealing in those spots, and so, you know, sometimes, like, Thinking across formats can be helpful. The blocker right now in DFS, at least on Friday afternoon, as we all know, these things change in 48 hours. But the blocker right now, I think everyone would rather play Russell Wilson, personally. Yeah, I I think people want to play Russ in cash games to spin down. And if that's the case, I think we can still sneak pick it in here, at least on Friday. Yeah, I mean, if everybody is playing you know, Russell Wilson and Brock Purdy, um, it's not like we're like dodging you know, uh, these huge ceiling games from the expensive guys at like 20%, like a lot, a lot of these, you know, two and Jalen, their, their salaries are going to be pretty restrictive. So like, it's not like we need Kenny Pickett to go for, for three fifty and three, you know, two two fifty and, 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 and three. Is and fine. I shouldn't be selling you just on pick. I, I'm trying to sell yeah, you the receivers pieces to get sure. them yeah, to wherever sure. else yeah. you want to go in life. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm into this. Uh, I actually have a couple pieces from this game picked out as my favorite plays, but, um, that like the way I think is most interesting interesting to me is to go Warren and then McBride Dorch. And you get like you kind of get the cheap pieces, you get tight end taken care of in a way that's not going to be as chalky as it as it has been to play McBride. And you also keep quarterback open on a slate where I do think there is some ceiling at quarterback. Um so I mean, Pickett's certainly in play, but I, Dago, I was, I was wondering if you were going to mention Fryermuth with with the Pickett, because I mean, who are you bringing along with Pickett other than Warren? And Fryermuth played played a lot and got a a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity last week. Yeah, De- Deontay Johnson's target share held up, and he dropped a touchdown. 
I understand he put out a Hall of Fame low light reel after the game. Uh, <laughs> basically, not trying. He also stood up and apologized. That was so people. good, man. Dude, was... it was it was crazy. That was that was a grown ass man trying to feed his family, not trying, like publicly not trying. I, it's crazy when we see those this time. He of was year. strolling. I've never seen an NFL player stroll. Those always pop up this time of the year, though, where like teams are were uh, are said they're, they're quitting. Uh, Deontay Johnson literally quit last week on his team, but. <laughs> But he stood up in the locker room in front of everybody. No, we got a double pick. He apologized. He also dropped the touchdown. So every the process was right behind the scenes. He's so cheap on both sides. I can see myself going back. Again, I can see myself tacking along Jalen Warren or Najee Harris because the problem is Jalen Warren doesn't have a touchdown inside the 10-yard line because that's Najee Harris's role. So although he's more explosive and we got what we wanted and and Warren out touching Najee Harris last week. It still needs to be done outside the 10, which is possible with a catch from Pickett. And then also, like, I'm trying to step back and make sure I'm not just tacking on a recency bias. Like, a couple weeks ago, whenever Naked Purdy took down Millie Makers, I kind of think Naked Pickett also makes sense. If we can't get it right, but we think that he has a chance to get there, and he allows us to spend up, I'm open to that suggestion, too. My Interesting. Suggestion. That would be three weeks in a row of a naked quarterback taking down the Millie. Naked Josh Allen took it down last week. So I'm open to yeah. it. <laughs> um, Crane, do any of these other games do anything for you? I did just want to mention Tampa Bay, Carolina, because you know, Tampa Bay is obviously such a bad um pass defense that Adam Thielen is kind of interesting to me. I mean, he's he's in the mix, and um, you know, we've got this change in play caller and head coach. Uh, now that Frank Reich's gone, Thomas Brown was more aggressive uh, in his three games. And I thought smarter. Like he was just, he like, he pivoted to the run against the Colts. That's kind of what you do. He avoided the Bears run defense, avoided the Texans run defense, uh, and was pretty aggressive in those games. Bryce Young, I don't have much faith in, but, you know, I I kind of think this is a pretty interesting spot for Adam Thielen, and he's not super, super expensive anymore. So, you know, I, I want to mention him. Mike Evans also on the other side of this game is a little interesting. I probably don't end up going there, but he's in a pretty good spot. Um, but, you know, Rashad White, if I'm going to do it, I would probably bring Thielen back on it and just do like a little mini that way. Uh, the worst name among an entire season where I've said Desmond Ritter, and I've said some some terrible, terrible names on this show. The worst name is that Stephen Sullivan for the Panthers is the Stone Men. And both Hayden Hurst and Tommy Trimble are out. So I'm just saying if everyone's getting the Stone Men, Brevin Jordan, you can play oh. Stephen Sullivan, who was a wide receiver in the SEC, converted to tight end because he's going to run <laughs> every route in this game against a soft Bucks defense. That's all I'm saying. I love this part of the show so much. <laughs> it's great. We have Brevin. <laughs> but I we mean, also have Stephen Sullivan. We also have Durham Smythe. No, but do we really? <laughs> no. Other players that are, that are as as uh, we mentioned, um, Rashad White, who Corrine just mentioned, projecting um, as a cash game value. Zach Moss, obviously the chalk of the week. Uh, Josh Downs um, on FanDuel and DraftKings projecting quite well. Getting some random high projections from Elijah Moore and Joku given their salary. Um, but don't think I get there in, in cash games. Um, still have a lot to, uh, to think about by Sunday. Again, a lot of <clears throat> injuries kind of, uh, 
impacting where we're going to be going. Um, I'm going to leave the tight tight ends out of this for now because we have so many question marks around um, how tight ends going to look. So, I mean, I, I think we kind of all agree that Tyreek is our favorite chalk play. So, um, and Zach Moss at his salary. So let's just talk about Purdy, Rashad White, and, and Javante Williams. Those three guys are probably going to be quite chalky. Um, out of those three guys, uh, Crane, is there one that uh, stands out as a pretty clear fade to you? Purdy, Rashad White, and Javante? I, I think they're all like fine play. Javante is probably the one I'm least interested in, mm-hmm. but um, you know, these are the types of plays that I'm not that interested in on this slate where I'm like, man, Moss is very strong, massive chalk. I want to play Tyreek who is not sneaky at all. What does that push me away from? It pushes me away from these exact types of plays. Like I, I can't, hold hands with the field on Rashad White and Moss and Tyreek. So I'm probably going to go find other avenues from all three of these players. I, I, I'm probably fading all of them. And, and it has more to do with the slate dynamics than them being like real bad plays. Yeah, the only attractive thing about Purdy is that his pass catchers probably aren't going to get inflated ownership. Uh, Daigle, any of those guys, Purdy, Rashad White, or Javante stand out as, as guys that um, are, are just not – players we want to be leaning into chalk on i definitely not javante um yeah i also I think you didn't mention him but i think Brees hall is gonna get pretty steamed on Fanduel. i also think it's a i i personally think so at least on friday yeah i mean i he he de- he is popping in, in four for four values on Fanduel specifically i'm just kind of wrestling with um if people want to play any jets at all um, it's just tough, tough spots. Just aren't a lot of running those backs, are yeah. both run funnels. Yeah. The mm-hmm. the Texans and the Falcons, you attack them through the air. So it seems like the situation would be to pivot through the, yeah, to their receivers instead. Since, you know, Garrett Wilson, it was bad. He scored a touchdown, but at least he got all the targets from Tim Boyle. I can't believe we're seeing Tim Boyle again, by the way. I mean, what, yeah, a, I know, what a spectacle, why, man. Why, we knew we were going to get to this point And like, there was, you could have traded for Josh Dobbs. You could have. It signed anyone. <laughs> what? I want to know what's going on with Trevor Simeon. Like, I, Trevor Simeon had to cuckold someone or something because, like, dude, he's not he's not playing at all. Like, what happened to him by the seeds? We saw Tim Boyle for one game. That wasn't enough. <laughs> what happened? I don't know. Uh, well, we won't. We, I, just left, we, I just left PJ speechless. He's moving. We won't. We won't be having any jets um, uh, outside of maybe Brees on Fandle that we'll be talking about. So you guys don't have to worry about that with our uh, favorite players this week. Uh, before we get to our favorite players of the week, I just want to remind everybody about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Go to PrizePicks.com/dfsmvp and use the code DFSMVP for a first deposit match. Up to $100. We have a three-player pick that we like this week. If you're watching live, uh, come along for the ride. We talked about the 49ers and the Eagles game, and Crane mentioned Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk is projecting for 63.5 receiving yards. We like him for more than 63.5 receiving yards against the Eagles pass funnel defense. Bailey Zappi looks like he will be playing quarterback for the Patriots this week. We saw the Patriots quarterbacks combined for under 150 passing yards against the Giants last week. Bailey Zappi's projection is 189.5. We'd like him for less than 189.5 passing yards this week. And Rasheed Rice, we saw a little bit of a breakout game from him last week. And this week against the Packers, his projection is 47 
and a half receiving yards. We like Rashid Rice for more than 47 and a half receiving yards. Again, that three player pick them will 5x your money. Don't forget to go to pricepicks.com slash DFS MVP and use the code DFS MVP for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's get to our favorite plays of the week, starting with quarterback, starting with Kareem. Yeah, for me, it's it's Tua. Um, I think, you know, it won't just be Tyreek. I don't know that I'm going to end up putting else in, in my lineup other than uh, Tyreek. I don't think I'm going to get to Waddle. He's just, he's expensive. Um, and I like, I like the A-chan idea for sure. But, you know, Tua kind of helps me scoop up some of the additional value on this offense. He comes along for the ride with Tyreek. I think he has a very strong ceiling if Tyreek goes nuclear, obviously. Um, I think we can do some cheap pieces on the Washington side as well. So even if it's a single stack with Tua, you know, taking care of tight end with Logan Thomas, um, getting, you know, cheap Curtis Samuel involved, uh, all pretty interesting ways to play it. So Tyreek is going to be popular. Tua does not like look like he will be, and that just kind of makes it – it's not enough to get different, but it's it's kind of a starting point on a slate where getting different is going to be important. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Daigle, I think, kind of convinced us all on this quarterback play um, to close out the pod. Daigle, your favorite quarterback? Uh, convinced might not be the right word, but I, I, sold, I love it. I like it. I sold Kenny Pickett as hard as I could. Uh, I understand I mean, he's I, never – I'm certainly open to it. I think it's a good play. He's never been top 12 quarterback in fantasy. Uh, this could arguably be the week because it's such a soft spot. I don't understand. I don't, I, I don't think people understand how much the Cardinals defense has crumbled over time. So if it allows us to get where we want to go, that's where I want to go. Can um, we just, just on the Cardinals, They what's this thing? They made Zach Ertz give them money to be released crazy I, don't, I, don't, I didn't i didn't get it like he had to forfeit a game check or something he had like to forfeit I, a I game check in order to be released because they're that petty is that what and okay I, I mean yeah then he'll sign he's gonna sign with the eagles it just makes too much sense he said both right. he wants a super bowl contender they're also banged up at that position have no depth there as well so he'll sign there he'll uh, be a Cash better game? he'll be a better player on the field than in fantasy maybe we use him like in a two-game slate in the playoffs Super Bowl showdown winner, Zach Ertz. Um, Brock Purdy is the cash game quarterback, especially on DK. Top value there. He's the only quarterback that's a top three quarterback value on both sites, according to 4 for 4 projections. As I mentioned, quarterback value is very spread out between the sites this week, but uh, Brock Purdy stands out as the best value. Going on to running back, uh, Daigle. Uh, we have not talked about uh, this game much. Last week's hero is in a tough matchup this week and probably goes under-owned again. I definitely think Kyron Williams checks in under own because he's going to be between Jameer Gibbs and Christian McCaffrey, maybe even Alvin Kamara. And I don't think anyone will get there with Zach Moss when it's going to come down to the Browns injury report. But if everyone is as banged up as they were last week, like the Browns aren't even an intimidating defense. Kyron Williams can have his way here. Matthew Stafford can have his way here too, because we're waiting on Miles Garrett, who was DMP throughout the week. Uh, Jordan Elliott, I believe, is going to play, and Denzel Ward's also out. This is not the same unit whatsoever that everyone has trembled against. So if we get the right injuries to fall our way, Kyron Williams is going to have the same ceiling, and no one's going to play him whatsoever. I would like to be on him. 
yeah, definitely a good way to get unique there. 7,200 on DK, um, obviously going to be tough to fit him um, with uh, the expensive pieces, but if you're not playing CMC, uh, you could probably fit Kyron in with Tyreek pretty comfortably. Uh, Karain, which running back do you like this week? I'm into Jalen Warren, uh, 5,400. Everyone kind of ran over and, and ended up, he kind of was like a steamy guy last week with uh, people getting excited about the the offensive coordinator change. Um, it's worked a couple times to just go back to that yeah. guy, right? We, we yeah. had the Deontay Foreman. Sure. You just play it the week later. You had Devin Singletary, just play it a week later. Jalen Warren kind of sets up similarly where, you know, he's I don't think will be quite as popular. Now, it is possible that he ends up, the same dynamic happens. And I would just note, I don't think it's crazy to play Najee uh, at 5,200. No, not if, at all. If Warren ends up being really popular, because then you would have lever like direct leverage off of a chalk running back. Um, and Najee kind of offers you some of the same things in helping opening up salary and would he kind of also is leverage off of uh, uh, Javante at a similar salary. So, um, yeah, I think I think the Steelers are going to have success running the ball this week. Last week, whenever we talked, uh, I was open to Jalen Warren, but then it became whenever by Sunday morning that we were going to lose one, if not two of the mid six K running backs. And we did end up losing in the shuffle, uh, Kyron Williams and Byron, uh, B. John Robinson. So I knew I wanted to be on at least one of those. And I happened to get lucky and get on Kyron, but the real play was taking one of the high roster, two touchdown guys and Taylor or Derrick Henry, and then also having both of Bijan and Kyron. And so uh, this week, I think both Najee, to your point, and Warren make sense because I don't think people are going to get there among the other mid-tier guys, whereas last week people did get there. Um, yeah, I mean, Jalen Warren is $300 less than Javante, so uh, probably not um, getting way out of hand for Jalen Warren, especially with Zach Moss taking up 55% of the running back ownership. I so uh, there, probably, there probably just isn't a lot of room for him to get like to 25%, which is a good thing for us. Um, as we mentioned, all podcasts, Zach Moss is the cash game running back of the week. Plug him in. Don't think about it. Build around him and go from there. Uh, Karain, your wide receiver play. Nico Collins, uh, I think, as, as I mentioned, I am interested in Texans pass catchers as part of, you know, kind of a skinnier approach to this game. But when you look at, um, when I look at the Texans pass catchers just purely from a talent standpoint, I'm most interested in uh, Tank Dell. But I do think that this matchup sets Probably a, a little better for Nico Collins, who is is there over the middle of the field, splash zone guy. And the Broncos have not been that great at defending the deep middle of the field. Um, and I also think like, if we're looking for, you know, some big plays, if we're worried about overall play volume, Nico makes a lot of sense. Dell does as well, but Nico's cheaper. Um, of the two, I would be more surprised if Nico got a lot of steam. I think kind of everyone is more excited about Dell at this point. So I feel confident, right? I think on this slate, we probably want to be like, have a high level of confidence in the guys that if we are going to make a stand on someone being a single digit play, we'd really like them for be 
to come in at single digits. Uh, I think Nico uh, is one of those guys for me where I'm like, I, no one's going to block the Nico here. So, um, yeah, I think just he's in a in a pretty good spot, and I get to get to bet on CJ Stroud, and I get to do it at ownership. Yep, we talked about skinnies in that game. If you skinny Nico with a, a Denver pass catcher, you're getting leverage off of Javante with that Denver pass catcher, so that makes it a great play there. As we mentioned, uh, just keep an eye on actives and inactives for a couple of the games, including the Texans pass catchers. Uh, Daigle, we already got um, uh, a little bit of New England talk out of you. Uh, give us some more with uh, Pop Douglas out. Uh, I, I didn't know we got New England talk. Uh, also, you're confused when you saw this name in the show sheet because Tyquan Thornton is going to be in my large field pool as we look for minimum plays. Uh, Pop Douglas not expecting to play, didn't practice all week in the concussion protocol. And last week we saw whenever Pop Douglas left the field, it was Bailey Zappi under center and Zappi targeted Thornton on five of his nine pass attempts. Uh, there's nowhere else to go. It is only Tyquan Thornton, Devontae Parker. So, we are waiting out the Ezekiel Elliott injury news, who's questionable, expecting him to play for Ramondre Stevenson. And we're waiting out the news at wide receiver because it's a Chargers defense that we're not scared of whatsoever. So one of the Patriots players I truly think can get there. Why not spend all the way down for Tyquan Thornton? 3K. I mean, what do we need out of a 3K player on this? Literally all the way getting, down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we get, uh, I mean, seven catches for 80 yards from a 3K player, that's pretty damn good, huh? That seems pretty good. Yeah. Um, as I've already mentioned, I'm trying to get to CMC and Tyreek in um, cash games, but prioritizing Tyreek a little bit more. Uh, Tyreek is um, the player we've been talking about all slate. He is my cash game wide receiver of the week. Probably no surprise there. Daigle, I had a feeling this player was going to come up some point um, in, in, the, in the podcast. You're tied in. The pivot, obviously, if everyone's going to to Jawan Johnson, would be spinning up for Taysom Hill, who, yeah. you know, we're, we're pinning all these targets to Jawan Johnson, but it's going to be the same thing, man. They're just going to go back to Taysom for all the carries and, and just so many different ways to use him against a very bad defense. You talk about tight ends with a ceiling. Obviously, he can carry a ceiling in this spot against a miserable defense. So, yeah, I just think naturally, logically, getting up to Taysom as the ultimate pivot and edge off of Jawan Johnson, if you have the salary, makes a lot of sense. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Uh, tight end for you, Karen. So I feel like there's just so many moving parts at tight end, and I've changed in the show sheet like eight times where I was going to go here. I think it's like one of those things where I like the Brevin Jordan play. If everyone's going to the Brevin Jordan play, uh, I like it a lot less. I I, I think, um, you know, and that could happen if we lose Juwan Johnson, right? If Chris Olave goes and if Tank Dell is reported not to be at full health or whatever, all of a sudden Brevin would, would start to look super appealing. Noah Brown's out or, you know, there's ways where all of a sudden he's really chalky. If he starts to look really chalky, I like Trey McBride. I think Trey McBride is a really strong play um, if he's not going to get steamed up. And Logan Thomas is also a guy that I kind of feel similar. He's kind of in the mix for me where I just want I want to be somewhere that everyone else isn't on, on tight end in this, in this slate. And uh, it's just hard for me to know where that is right now, but that's, that's going to be my goal. Yeah, I mean, outside of Trey McBride, like you could poke huge holes in 
every tight ends game this week. So there's almost no reason to be leaning into chalk um, in tournaments at the position this week. Uh, again, a lot to be determined leading up to kickoff. Um, same with cash games. It's, it's going to depend a lot on if Alave plays or not, obviously, but it's going to be either Jawan Johnson or Brevin Jordan in cash games. Uh, still TBD to that, um, though, because of injuries. Uh, DSTs, Karain. I like the Browns here. Uh, we've got a strong pass rush, very strong pass rush going against this Rams team that has not been able to protect Matthew Stafford. Um, they, we, we all feel a little bit better about the Rams after they just beat up on the Cardinals, but I think this could be a rude awakening with Stafford, you know, just being under pressure throughout. Now the Rams have gone very conservative. They, they're well aware of this problem and they will try to run the ball. The Browns are a run funnel. You got you got to worry about pass attempts against here, but maybe Flacco can actually help us out, keep the Browns you know on, on schedule a little bit on offense enough to where the Rams can't just play ultra conservatively the way the Broncos did against against the Browns. So um, if we, I, it just comes down to can they get these these Rams to pass on them because I, I think they're really going to struggle to protect Stafford here. Uh. Daigle, DST. I'm, I'm actually stunned. You left me speechless for the first time in my life that Falcons are going to be the cash game play. I really thought we were going to try to sneak the Falcons in here, but I guess not. <laughs> um, so my pivot, it's very, it's by the way, it's a very hard week to find a cheap defense. Usually I can get there by just saying, logically, this quarterback hasn't performed up to par despite people liking him. But even like the Browns and Texans are expensive defenses, so I can't get there. So I think the cheapest, most logical one is the Lions. Because again, the Saints defense at full strength may not get there anyways because they're so bad. But with no one out there, if the lobby is absent, dude, like the Lions, again, it's probably like an alt-bet game for the Lions where they win by double-digit points. Like it's not pretty for New Orleans right now, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So Lions defense to me is an obvious one. Yeah, it's not auto click on the Falcons at thirty four hundred, but they are projecting as our top. They're value. my favorite. Uh, They're yeah, my favorite I mean, play of the whole week. We, we talked about Tim Boyle in there. Um, if you could get to that thirty four hundred price tag um, against the Jets in cash, um, definitely, definitely want to do that. Um, as we mentioned, a lot to be determined this week. It's going to be a, a very busy. Did you have one more thing, Daigle? No, I'll scratch my beard. All right. Well, uh, very, very busy. Um, Injury week uh, going down to the wire on Sunday. So uh, if you aren't in the Discord yet, make sure you get in the 444 Discord. Uh, use that promo code 25 uh, for 25% off. The code is YouTube, 25% off at 444.com slash plans. Links to everything in the YouTube description. Uh, links to Legendary Upside to sign up for the 444 DFS plan and to upgrade to the solver. Uh, if you are listening on your favorite podcast platform, please give us a five-star rating review for those watching on YouTube. Please like the video, subscribe to the channel. Uh, much appreciated goes way further than you realize. Corrine, remind everybody what you got going on at legendary upside. Yeah. Legendaryupside.com. Check out the walkthrough. Uh, got a narrated version for premium subscribers. I also have for anyone interested in the playoff best balls um, tournaments that are, that are rolling out now. Uh, going to be doing content on that. Going to be doing a version of rankings uh, for that. And so check out the Legendary Upside podcast feed, wherever you get your podcast. I'll be doing um, a kind of an, 
like a intro pod on on what we're doing slash how we're attacking those formats on Monday. Uh, what so, are what is a version of rankings compared to just rankings? So the issue with playoff best ball is that like it's it's more like a choose your own adventure book where like if as soon as you draft a player and, and you know once you draft like two or three players you've closed off like whole sections of of the the branches of the draft that would make sense for you to put in a plus ev team um and so you really can't just be like you know oh this guy like fell you know a bunch so i'm gonna i'm gonna draft him it's like well that team is very unlikely to to be alive with the other teams that you have by the time you get to the conference championship game when you need to have enough live players to really have a chance uh to finish to, to advance and then you know have enough players in the Super Bowl to take down the whole thing. So it's very it's a different type of format than you know traditional best ball, traditional fantasy for sure. So um the the rankings that the what I'm trying to get to is a sort of a dynamic way of doing this where it'd be a more of a ranking based tool. Um and I'm still working on exactly what that looks like, but that's kind of what we're we're trying to get to. I haven't begun my edges just yet. I haven't drafted just yet for playoff best ball. But just like last year, I know it's a totally different game. I think this year, my two things I would go into would be fading the Bills, because I don't think they're going to make the yeah. postseason. Yeah. Um, it's too tough. And They've uh, been overdrafted finding, for weeks in these. Yeah, and finding out who the number six seed in the NFC will be. Because if you can get that right, Dude, the Lions are paper tigers and hosting a home game. Nah, get out of here. Like they're getting like knocked that. out first round. I love it. I love it. Uh, appreciate that. Definitely looking forward to uh, that on legendary upside because uh, we like uh, playing football games and, and as many different formats as possible. Um, if you want more from us, you can follow us on X slash Twitter. Pat is at Pat Corain. Legendary Upside at Legendary Upside. Daigle is at not J Daigle. 444 is at 444 Football. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday morning.